Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department at Derby. Um, my name's Ian Lewins, one of the consultants in the ED, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by uh, Shana Shan, who is the Head Smart Fellow based at Nottingham. Hello, Shana. Hello. Thank you for having me. Delighted. So let's start off with then. What, what is the Head Smart Fellow? What's your job? So it um, is. It was a first Head Smart Fellow job, and I think it will uh, probably be the last. Uh, but I was employed to revise the uh, RCPCH NICE accredited guideline on brain tumour diagnosis um, in children. Okay. So what what is in a nutshell for people who are not familiar with this at all? What is Head Smart? So HeadSmart is a national, public and professional awareness campaign. Um, Its aim was to amplify the RCPCH NICE accredited guideline uh, for both publics and the professionals to highlight and enhance awareness of the signs and symptoms of brain tumours in children. Okay, and and how long has sort of HeadSmart been around for? So it's launched in 2011 um, and it was as a result of... uh, parental and professional dismay at how long it has taken in the in in the UK for children with brain tumours to be diagnosed. And what sort of what's the scale of that problem that sort of you, you talked about that length that it takes to, to sort of what, what are the issues that you, you you guys have noticed? So <clears throat> brain tumours are really um, notoriously difficult to diagnose because they present with non-specific symptoms because um, children of different ages will present differently and brain tumours in different locations will present differently. And because they are thought to be rare, they're not always included in differential diagnosis of clinicians that are seeing these, these patients and so they're often missed and the diagnosis takes a lot longer once all the more common conditions have been ruled out. So um, my uh, team at the Children's Brain Tumour Research Centre um, did a, a study looking at how long it takes uh, with a cohort of children and in 2008 it was taking a median of three and a half months for children in the UK to be diagnosed. Okay, um, when you looked at that, where, where are the delays? Uh, is it sort of multifactorial or is there one particular part that's a, that's a significant problem? So we look at something called the total diagnostic interval and that is the time from symptom onset to diagnosis and that can be split into your patient interval, so at the time from when the patient recognises they have symptoms to when they go and see a doctor and the system interval which is the time from when the patient goes to see their doctor to when they get a diagnosis and actually delays were happening across the board which was why the, the HeadSmart was launched to enhance awareness amongst the public so that they know what symptoms might be more sinister and um, to professionals as well to highlight how non-specific these symptoms can be. Okay, so, so delays in different areas. So how has HeadSmart sort of say, for example, if we talk, take the public bit first, what, what, what have you guys done to sort of try and reduce that time? Mm-hmm. So um, HeadSmart is a collaboration between the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health the Children's Brain Tumour Research Centre at the University of Nottingham and the Brain Tumour Charity, um, who are our public, um, uh, they're the leading brain tumour charity and they're our public facing essentially. Um, and they have worked incredibly hard um, with our, through their website, through the HeadSmart website, to reach out to the public and um, 
make people aware. So our symptom cards are, have been distributed in many opticians, uh, Toys R Us, different media outlets, in newspaper packs on a Sunday have got our cards in and we're trying to get them into um, the Red Book um, as well for babies uh, so that um, we can make the public more aware. Okay, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is obviously our, our bit, the professional side of it. So how have you gone about that, sort of promoting that awareness and th- having that thought as could this be a brain tumour as a diagnosis? Mm-hmm. So essentially the first step is that the guideline is NICE accredited. It's based on high quality, evidence-based um, knowledge. So all the materials are of high evidence-based quality and uh, we have been able to collaborate with the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health, so they have promoted it on their website um, at the Royal College conference, and also we've done a special project with RCGP, so they've got a toolkit on their website which is linked to all our HeadSmart um, guidelines and, and products. And we are also go around to different conferences, giving plenary session talks, poster talks, um, the Brain Tumor Charity come with us, so they have a stand um, in all the, the national conferences and international conferences. Um, and Twitter, I have Absolutely. a... At um, Headsmart Fellow yes. handle, yep. um, where um, we retweet between Headsmart, the University of Nottingham, RCPCH and myself. We are forever tweeting um, stories and symptoms and writing blogs yep. for um, different FOMED uh, places. So Excellent. And since the introduction of... Head smart. What sort of results have you seen? Have you been able to sort of capture that? Mm-hmm. So um, luckily, we have got a good professional network through the Children's Cancer Leukemia Group. So we have nineteen centres across the UK that treat um, children with cancers, and they have been collecting data on all their children that have um, that they they have under their care, and seeing how long it takes for them to be diagnosed. So we are currently in year six, but we have our year five data. So we have come down from um, three and a half months median to six and a half weeks. Okay. Um, so it's halved, but we still have a way to go. So the, um, the government have got cancer as their national priority at the moment, and they released this UK strategy Uh, cancer task force strategy and in that we have been quoted and the aim by 2020 for all cancers are for diagnosis to be given within four weeks okay so nearly there actually yeah and and a significant improvement Mm -hmm. because of of awareness Mm -hmm. i guess more than anything else Mm -hmm. so we then need to think about okay for me as somebody in the ed signs and symptoms to watch out for and, and obviously you know we, we think about headaches as a classic example and why well, get referred people with can you see this child with headache and your heart sinks and you think <laughs> do I scan everybody do what sort of and I'm always worried am I going to miss the brain tumor and the, amongst the thousands of other kids with tension headache and migraine and those sorts of things so, as somebody sitting in clinic with this person in front of me, what are the key things specifically about headache that should worry me, that should ring an alarm bell that says, this kid needs a scan? So, um, headaches are really, really common presentation. So, uh, part of what we say from the HeadSmart guidance is that the headache needs to be persistent. So, persistent 
is defined as a headache on most days for over four week period. Um, so that's the first thing that's really important. Um, the second thing we say is that um, headaches in isolation, so a headache with no other symptoms, is very, 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 very rarely going to be a brain tumour. Mm. Um, so if you think about the tumour growing, as it grows, you would expect more symptoms. So there is an accumulation acquisition of other symptoms because of the pressure effect or the, the growth effect. Um, so review is really, really important so that you can pick up any other symptoms like nausea or vomiting or blurred vision or coordination difficulties that may become apparent. Um, but a headache on its own mm. with no other symptoms is very unlikely to be a brain tumour. Um, the other things that we um, do stress is that brain tumour headaches can occur any time of the day. So although we worry about those children who wake up with a headache mm. um, or have early morning headaches, um, actually these headaches can happen at any time of the day. So we shouldn't be reassured by those children who say, okay. actually these headaches come on in the afternoon, okay. for example. Um, well, one of the things I... I don't know if this is right or wrong. One of the things I'd always sort of had in my mind was that the, one of the key questions about that is, do you wake up and then get the headache versus do you have a headache that's so bad it wakes you up? And my understanding was that it's that it's so bad it wakes you up should worry you. Yes, so definitely uh, persistent headaches that wakes a child from sleep is a red flag and they need a scan. Um, other things are... Um, persistent headaches that occur on waking so even if they do have an early morning headache that's worrying very importantly children under the age of five who are telling you they have a headache that is concerning right. um, because young children will say I've got tummy ache but to say I've got a headache in a young child is odd it's yes. unusual yeah if they're holding their head and they say their head hurts that is very unusual and they really do need scanning. Um, if they've got confusion or disorientation with a headache, they need scanning. And as part of the HeadSmart guidance, all the symptoms that we have on our symptom card are based on a systematic review of over 8,000 children um, and how they've presented. So these are really the most common presentations. And so we say if you've got headache and one other symptom that's persistent then you would warrant a scan. Okay, so, but headache, generally, on its own, yeah. we shouldn't be too concerned? No. Okay. And when you sort of say scan, are we CT, MRI, what's the preferred modality? So the preferred modality is always an MRI, okay. um, because it gives us better imaging and no radiation. Okay, so that's headaches, and... That's quite reassuring for me. It's the sort of seeing all these children who are examined and they're otherwise completely fine. What are the other things that you sort of commonly see these children presenting that, that maybe get missed? Mm -hmm. so, so in terms of other symptoms, we have uh, nausea and vomiting. We have visual signs and symptoms, so your blurred vision, your abnormal eye movements, your loss of vision. Um, we have motor signs and symptoms like uh, abnormal gait, coordination problems, um, fits, faints and funny turns. Mm. Um, Behaviour is, is an important one. So um, new onset lethargy, mood disturbance, disinhibition, um, those kinds of symptoms or withdrawal really um, can be a sign of, uh, of a, a space-occupying lesion. 
um, and other gross and endocrine things um, as well. But in terms of those that get missed, we have a set of common pitfalls that, um, that we say. So in children with headaches, it's mainly failure to reassess a child yeah. who has got known headaches. So if they've got migraines, not asking the question, is this different from your usual headache? And that's the important question yeah. to ask so that you can understand whether it's the same. In nausea and vomiting, um, it's babies. So failing to measure and plot head circumference in babies with persistent vomiting. Mm. Um, because babies vomit a lot and they vomit all the time. Yeah. And it can be reflux, it could be overfeeding, it could be cow's milk protein allergy. Uh, but if you're keeping an eye on the head circumference, because they've got open fontanelles and sutures, their head will accommodate and you won't see much in terms of other symptoms. Mm. It will just be a slowly increasing head circumference. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important, isn't it? Because it's often something that hand on heart might not get done. Yes. So we, we might plot weights. If we're really lucky, we might do a length, but that's a key point, isn't mm-hmm. it? Head circumference in, mm-hmm. in little ones, particularly with vomiting. Now panicking and thinking of all the children I've seen this morning that need head circumferences doing. Okay, so yeah, so head circumference. Yes, um, and then in terms of visual symptoms and signs, it's acknowledging um, your limitations, your own limitations. So I, in the emergency department, find it incredibly hard to look in a child's fundus, um, and that's because we have curtains yep. and lights on, and children that are distressed and not wanting to be there. Um, and it's just acknowledging that actually I've not been able to look in that child's eyes. I don't feel confident in my ability asking somebody for help, asking a senior to have a look or asking your ophthalmology colleagues to have a look. Or if you're not concerned, when you're sending the parents home saying you need to go for a visual test this week at your opticians, um, because a full visual assessment is really important mm. um, if you want to assess um, whether or not someone's got yeah. a, a brain tumour. Um, in terms of your motor signs and symptoms, it's very easy to, to say that someone's abnormal gait or balance is because they've got an ear infection or they've got a bit of a red ear. Um, and it's trying to, to make sure you've got good corroborative findings to say that um, and making sure that they're followed up by their GP or in a, you know, a hot clinic or rapid yeah. access clinic. Um, to make sure that that has resolved. And I guess that's a, that's a key point, isn't it? It's the follow-up. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying, look, I think this is an area problem, if it's not got better in that expected period of time, you need to rethink your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But it's the who's going to follow them up. Exactly. And who's... Do, do you, in your experience of looking at this data, do a lot of these children sort of get passed around specialities, if you like? Yes, um, so especially the ones where the diagnosis is not clear. So, for example, those who have got... We have uh, many that are missed that have got swallowing difficulties and they're aspirating because of a bulbar palsy, but they're presenting as recurrent chestiness. So these right. children will end up going to general paediatrics, respiratory, allergy clinic, immunology, and they get passed around from, from pillar to post. Um, the other important thing about r- safety netting in the emergency department and review is that many parents will say, oh, we've, well, we've seen a doctor and they said it was fine. Mm. And, and unless you specifically say you need to be reviewed by your GP in two weeks so they can make sure there are no other symptoms that have 
developed in the meantime or to make sure this has resolved, then they potentially wouldn't. Okay. And anything else that comes across, mum and dad may feel that that's not important or relevant enough to go and see a, a healthcare practitioner about. Okay. And are there any particular sort of age groups where there is this sort of delay, diagnostic delay? I'm guessing it's, is it small children or teenagers or is it a bit of both? Um, so generally, small babies and young children, they have their parents as advocates. Mm. And as a parent, you will know that you are always looking out for things and you're always taking them to see someone or if you think they need to. So they have got good advocates and people that are keeping an eye on them all the time. It's really your adolescent age group, your young people, um, and we, we have got data to show that. So the longer delays, that essentially, that age group are still taking up to three months right. diagnosis. Um, so essentially, even the public awareness has really worked for parents, and they're on the board, and they're able to um, take their children as and when required. But these, these adolescent age group, which are going through a unique physiological, psychological change, they may not tell their parents they've got a headache yeah. every day. They may not understand that, that that means they need to go and see a doctor. Um, and so actually it's that group that we really need to focus on next. Okay. So if you were giving us three top tips, top things for us to be aware of in the ED with regards to brain tumours, or five, or whatever, what, what would you say they were? So number one, um, if you've got a brain tumour, in your differential list, you will never miss it. Yeah. So babies who come in with sepsis, for example, or babies who come in unwell, rather, we always are taught sepsis, metabolic, cardiac. Mm. And even though metabolic's so rare, yeah. we always do all the urine yeah. tests and we make sure that we know that that's in the back of our head so we won't miss it. It's the same with brain tumour diagnosis. So even though the child has come in with non-specific symptoms, if you've got it in the back of your mind, you won't miss it. Okay. The way not to miss it, number two, is using our symptom cards. Right. So our symptom cards have got a checklist of only eight or nine symptoms that you need to ask about. So if a child comes in with any of the symptoms of headache, nausea and vomiting, blurred vision, any of these symptoms, if you ask the other symptoms and they have got them, then you know two or more needs a scan. Yep. Number three, safety netting in the emergency department is the most important thing. So. It's very easy with these children who look well, who've come in with a long-standing problem, essentially four weeks or two weeks yeah. of, or months of this, for your heart to sink in ED and say, well, this is not an emergency, mm. go off and see your GP, when actually these are the children that need really good safety netting and yeah. say, well, actually, you might need some follow-up, you need to go to your GP this week and ask for them to be referred so that they, you can be seen by the right person. Okay. Excellent. And um, where can we find the resources for HeadSmart? You said there's a website? Yes. Where's that? So one-stop shop, essentially. The website is called www.headsmart.org.uk um, and it is a website which is the same website whether you're a member of the public or professionals. There's clear uh, tabs at the top which says if you're a healthcare professional, if you click into that, your decision support tools are there, your copies of the guidelines are there. Um, and everything's really quite easy to find. Fantastic. So all in one place mm -hmm. for everybody. Yes. Okay. So what's next for you? You're Head Smart Fellow till... February 2019. Okay. And then that finishes? And yes. what's after that for you? So um, my interest obviously is in emergency medicine, but also 
about not missing cancer diagnosis is a big thing. Um, HeadSmart's been brilliant and the government are really um, interested in having more materials for other cancers. So I'm in the process of applying for funding to develop something called BodySmart, which will essentially sit side by side with HeadSmart and be your one place um, to find guidance and uh, decision support tools for children with all cancers. Fantastic. So we'll have it all in one place. I hope so. We hope so. Fantastic. Shana, thank you so much for coming to chat to us. I think that's been really helpful. Um, Where can we find you on Twitter as well? So my Twitter handle is at HeadSmartFellow. Okay. Um, And yes, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you.